Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. These variants are concerning. Right now, the prevalence of them isn't high enough in the United States that I think they're going to take off this summer. So I don't think they're a near-term risk. I think they're a risk as we head into the fall and the winter that one of these new variants could become the predominant strain. Now, that said, B117 right now is the most prevalent strain, and there's some people who believe that B117 is going to partially crowd out those other variants. And so it might be harder for those variants mm-hmm. to spread here in the U.S. Half of adults have had at least one shot. This thing is over for now. Um, as you heard from Dr. Scott Gottlieb there, it could come back in the fall with the different variants and, you know, s- still remains how, how many people that haven't gotten the shot are just not going to get it at all for a variety of reasons. Uh-huh. Um, I- I'll tell you this. It seems pretty clear to me, and I know a lot of people don't, for whatever reason, understand the math on the more spreadable variants. If this had been what hit the world first, or if this had a, even if even if this just variant had come out like a couple of months earlier before we got the vaccines going, that number of five hundred and fifty thousand dead would be multiples higher than that. Multiples. Wow. The world dodged a bullet. Oh my gosh! Yikes! It could have been so much worse because this this British variant alone spreads so much faster, and they think it's slightly more deadly. Well, it's way more deadly because it spreads faster, but it'd be multiples, many multiples. Somewhere between four and ten times as high. Great, Scott. Unimaginable. Yeah. Well, let's hope, uh, you know, the the state of the art of the vaccines keeps up with the mutating of the virus. So far, so good. I'm currently just so fascinated by the your the political part of this and people's, um, you know, your political leanings and how that has an effect. And both side is looking at the other side as you, you're, you're crazy. Um, the the left looks at the, the 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 people on the right who refuse to get the vaccine, which I'm told is mostly uh, white evangelicals. Actually, hmm. white ev- evangelicals and and uh, and African Americans are the least likely to want to get the COVID. But uh, you the know, vaccine. Yeah. the the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. the uh, uh, the media keeps telling me, and I don't I don't know how true it is, but the media keeps telling me that's your typical Trump supporter that will not get the shot. But on the other side, looking at it politically, is the, why are you still so locked down? There. Oh, yeah. So I, I came across a, an example over the weekend, uh, two towns near me that are like seven miles apart. Same business, has a whole bunch of offices in each town. In one town, they're all open, all of them and have been for months. In the other town, they're all closed. Unreal. Just and with the exact same amount of COVID. It's just purely your mental view of it. Right. And and your politics, too, because so much got set in stone. If Trump said yes, I say no automatically. Well, some of it is explained. We're going to play Bill Maher coming up here in next segment. Bill Maher explains some of it and talks about how, hey, liberals, we got bad information. We're way too afraid of this disease, as we've been talking about for quite a while. So that's on the way. Getting back to the uh, the professor who invented a fable to impress upon his students how novel risks, new stuff, gets much more attention than the stuff we've learned to live with. If somebody asks you to, you know, strike a bargain on the usefulness of cars versus the deadliness of cars, if it was brand new, you'd say absolutely not. But since we're used to it, we say absolutely yes. 
And uh, this writer says, I've been thinking about the fable recently because of COVID-19. COVID-19 presents a salient risk. It's a global pandemic that has upended daily life for more than a year. It's changed how we live, where we work, even what we wear on our faces. feels ubiquitous. Fortunately, it is also curable. The vaccines have nearly eliminated death, hospitalizations, and other serious COVID illnesses among people who've received shots. The vaccines have also radically reduced the chances that people... uh, contract even a mild version of COVID that they can pass it on or not. Yet many vaccinated people continue to obsess over the risks from COVID because those risks are new and salient. I don't get you people. It's important, I think, if you really want to be a student of the world to not to not judge that which you don't yet fully understand. But I don't get you people. Um, they go into the number of people vaccinated. Uh, the uh, numbers last week showed that 5,800 fully vaccinated Americans had contracted COVID. That sounds like a big number, but it indicates that a vaccinated person's chance of getting COVID are about 1 in 11,000. And the chances of getting a version any worse than the common cold are extremely remote. They're not zero. They won't be zero anytime in the foreseeable future. Um, but victory over COVID does not involve its elimination. It just involves minimizing the risk. And then it goes into, you know, mask and that sort of thing. But then he quotes various people. Here's a doctor from Brown University. He's been fully vaccinated for almost two months and only recently decided to meet a vaccinated friend for a drink unmasked. Yeah. Well, it was hard, psychologically hard for me, he said. That's what I was talking about with the two different towns. Uh, the one town where everybody's going into the office, and the other town where nobody is. Wow, interesting. With exactly the same information. Yeah, in my part of the world where people tend to be, you know, more conservative for whatever reason that matters, people have been getting together outside, especially and drinking together for months and months and months without hesitation. Sometimes some people say, hey, a little distancing would be a good idea over there, but, you know, on it goes. Mm hmm. It's really interesting, the differences in point of view. And Bill Maher, as we said, was on fire Friday and does a great job, I think, of explaining that. We'll play that for you in a moment or three. Well, we've got something very important we have to get to first. Excellent. Do we remember the man with the lowest voice, the man who has the lowest voice? He's got the lowest note any human being has ever done. Here's the man with the lowest note. That's pretty low. That's a very low note. So now we have a woman has broken the record for the lowest note ever. This is a woman. La, 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 Halfway there. A woman, you say. Oh, Lord. Yes, ma'am. Let up on the throttle. You're choking it. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, you win. That, that and 50 cents go. will buy you a cup of coffee. Yeah, um, whether it's that rover uh, on Mars or that low note jack, human beings continuing to do that. How low can you go? Uh, I'm not as can, low as that woman. <clears throat> I can do the, the rumbly thing. Oh. Uh, 
It's a very low note. <laughs> I'll have to play that for my kids. We'll get a you big kick out a of second. that tonight. Wait a second. This is this is utterly idiotic, and we will play you Bill Maher and his excellent, persuasive, eloquent, poetic. All right, where is it? Uh, there it is. Okay, I got a tuner, like a guitar tuner on my uh, phone. Uh, is this working? How do you make this start? Wait a minute, it's not on. Why is this not working? Damn it. This is going to be so good. <laughs> I can't I can't make it work. Are you updated? Did you update the app? Probably. <laughs> oh. No, I probably got to update I think mine the is working. Thing. Oh. It's not really reading when I get into the growly part. It, it, yeah. it, it's calling 911 for some reason. I, had an a, I started in A flat, according to this, but when I got down to a... There's a bear, a bear. Um, yeah, I'll try to fix my tuner and get back. That, I'd like to know what note that is I'm hitting. Oh, oh wait a minute. It just moved. So, ooh, okay, here we go. <laughs> it just says, stop that. So, <laughs> does that woman get like uh, a $50 gift certificate to Denny's? Or, I mean, what do you get for that? <laughs> I think she got a hand of applause, judging by the background. She's in Guinness. Nice job, Linda. Now, let's have lunch. Uh, Bill Maher, lefty, liberal, progressive, agrees with us that liberals got really, really out of whack on how dangerous COVID is, among other things. We need to all work better or work harder at getting the right information around these stories. Stay tuned for that. Armstrong and Getty. All the networks and certainly all the cables are covering the closing arguments live from the George Floyd Derek Chauvin trial. So, um, yeah, they're anticipating this being a big deal, as 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 I suppose we should. Whatever the verdict is, there is going to be rioting nationwide. I think. I hope. Not, uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny. You read my mind. I, I believe there will be rioting no matter what, because those that wish to tear down the system and rebuild it in their uh, Marxist fantasies are going to, you know, burn and tear down no matter what happens. More on that later. It's an excuse. It's not a cause and effect for for some of the the so-called protesters. Bill Maher's an interesting cat. He's a liberal and a progressive that uh, he and I agree on nothing in terms of just overall philosophy of uh, governing and human beings and safety net and that sort of stuff. But as a, an old school liberal, he um, he uh, he's in in line with us a lot. But this is well, we'll just play it for you. Here's how it goes. And finally, new rule: don't spin me. When it comes to my health, over the past year, the COVID pandemic has prompted the medical establishment, the media and the government to take a scared straight approach to getting the public to comply with their recommendations. Well, I'm from a different school. Give it to me straight, Doc. (laughs) Because in the long run, that always works better than you can't handle the truth. Now, I get it. Doctors tell people lies because they don't trust you to finish the antibiotics. And media? Well, I think we all know if it bleeds, it leads. Researchers at Dartmouth built a database recently monitoring the COVID coverage of the major news outlets across the world and found that while other countries mix the good news in with the bad, the U.S. national media reported almost 90% bad news. 
Even as things were getting better, the reporting remained negative. So how politi- how amazing is that? Mm. So that's unique to our U.S. media from the way they do it in uh, Europe. That's uh, I find that interesting. Why we could probably talk for the next two hours on why that is and what it means. Uh, we won't. Is but it because that's a we head scratcher? Are we just ahead of the world in clickonomics because it all was invented here and that Europe is headed that direction? I don't actually know. Are they smarter than us? I don't. I I know. I tend to I don't doubt know. That. Smaller countries, more cohesive, where you're more likely to know the news anchor and tell them, "Hey, we don't appreciate the propaganda." I don't know. But the idea that they would mix more of the good news with the bad news as opposed to just only bad news, right? It's troubling. Anyway, back to Bill. Even as things were getting better, the reporting remained negative, and politicians they lie because it's their nature to cover their ass. So they don't get blamed if things goes badly. And also to keep in practice. When all of our sources for medical information have an agenda to spin us, yeah, you wind up with a badly misinformed population, including on the left. Liberals often mock the Republican misinformation bubble. But what about liberals? You know, the high information by the science people? In a recent Gallup survey, Democrats did much worse than Republicans in getting the right answer to the fundamental question What are the chances that someone who gets COVID will need to be hospitalized? The answer is between 1 and 5%. 41% of Democrats thought it was over 50%. Another 28% put the chances at 20 to 49. So almost 70% of Democrats are wildly off on this key question and also have a greatly exaggerated view of the danger of COVID-2 and the mortality rate among children. All of which explains why today the states with the highest share of schools that are still closed are all blue states. So if the right-wing media bubble has to own things like climate change denial, shouldn't liberal media have to answer for How did your audience wind up believing such a bunch of crap about COVID? Yeah, I would agree. Well, and and because I'm a middle child and I seek to bring people together, I'll point out that what do you expect of people if that's all they hear? They tune tune in or or, or click on what used to be a respected source of news, not suspecting that they've become just an utterly shameless uh, clickbait factory. Feeding them misinformation, you gotta, you can't hate people for that. Well, similar to if you only heard one story of the election was stolen uh, narrative, sure, yeah, uh, you, you wouldn't have heard any of the other stuff. Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what fixes this. I don't know how it gets better, but you, you can see it's a pretty big problem. Schools being closed is a big problem, and if it's because most people on the left think you're. <laughs> 10 to 50 times more likely to end up in the hospital or die from COVID than is true? That's a problem. And the perception is even less accurate when it comes to kids. We've gone over that. Let's let the little man with the big brain uh, finish his screed, then we'll have more comments. Here's what I'm saying. I don't want politics mixed in with my medical decisions. And now that everything is politics, that's all we do. If their side says COVID is nothing, our side has to say it's everything. Trump said it would go away like a miracle. And we said it was World War Z. If you lie to people, even for a very good cause, you lose their trust. I think a lot of people died because of Trump's incompetence. 
And I think a lot of people died because talking about obesity had become a third rail in America. A stunning statistic was reported. 78% of those hospitalized, ventilated, or dead from COVID have been overweight. It is the key piece of the puzzle, by far the most pertinent factor, but you dare not speak its name. If the media and the doctors had made a point to keep saying, but there's something you can do, but we'll never know because they never did. Because the last thing you want to do is say something insensitive. We would literally rather die. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if it's the key, but it's certainly a key. Well, 70, what did he say, 78% yeah. of people who died yeah. were yeah. obese. Yeah. Being or or old, significantly over, overweight. Being yeah. old and obese is a bad, bad place to be. But, but he's absolutely right. That's something nobody's ever going to say out loud. Yeah, yeah. That's fat shaming. Yeah, we're, man, we're, this is an odd moment in America. Or maybe it's just we're more aware of it. Maybe most of America has been fairly delusional through our whole history. No, no, you just didn't no way. know it. No way. Can't be. You don't think? Can't be. Certainly where you, certainly not where you had two different sides like this completely living in different worlds. Well, and as he makes the point, now that politics is everything, everything is about politics. It used to be. I mean, there, there'd be no motivation for the newspapers and networks of old to whip up disease fear or to tamp it down, for that matter, for political reasons. They would have thought that was a ludicrous thing to even suggest. But it's, it's our reality now. What strange times. Caitlyn Jenner, she has made an announcement about whether or not she's running for California governor, among other things. Oh, boy. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know how much money I spend here? More than you should. Meatballs ain't that good. Save your money. And my time. Doesn't matter how much you spend here. We don't thank our donors. This isn't PBS. <laughs> Somebody who's worked in retail with his sort of inner dialogue about people uh, when they say things to this him. This person is in charge of training the new hires at my, my retail <laughs> establishment. Every time I come here, my order gets messed up. Then stop coming. <laughs> Make my day. <laughs> Every time you come here, your order's messed up. Sounds like you're making the mistake. Look inward. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say it out loud as an employee, but it is a decent question. If it's always wrong, why do you keep coming here? <laughs> I thought Look that, inward. I've thought that about many businesses I go to. I'm always disappointed. Why do I keep coming here? You know, that what reminds wrong with me? me. That reminds me. A couple of times in the last week, I have had utterly, utterly incomprehensible telephone calls with big businesses. These are huge companies. Their their names are known. <clears throat> One is a uh, phone service company. Perhaps if you need a new phone on your Horizon, Horizon, you'd recognize this company. 
And and they're a phone company. I'm talking to some third worlder in God knows what unlit corner of the globe <laughs> through a, a connection that's so badly digitized. Right. It, I couldn't understand them if it was me reading back what I had just said. It was <laughs> combined with the accent. And the other one was a major bank. You might find this bank in a city. Bank, city, bank, city, bank. Uh, this company, same thing. I'm talking to somebody in a call, a call center in, I don't know, the top of Mount Everest or something. I can't understand them, and it, the connection's so terrible. Hire Americans to do your your customer service. I know. I know if you multiply it by a thousand times, it's a significant amount of money. But I tell you what, if I have a good connection with somebody I can understand, it makes me so happy. I'll tell you, the the only thing you can do, I think... I mean, you can vote with your money and not do business with, but so many companies do that now. There's almost like you run out of banks or phone companies or anybody to deal with. The only thing I think that works that I do, I do stick around for the value. Would you be willing to stay on the line to oh. say how you felt about the customer service? And I always say, hire native English speakers. I yeah. didn't understand the person I was talking to. Zero stars. I always do that, hoping that you know, if enough of us did that, we'd get through. And they're fine folks, I'm sure. And they're Spanish. That's got nothing or, to do with their it. English is better than my Spanish, that's my Hindi, nothing, or whatever. That's got zero to do with it. I know it. I I'm know a it. customer of your business. I want to fix this. I can't if I don't understand them, and they don't understand me. Right. Oh, it makes me so angry. Amen to that. So I'm going to run through a bunch of stories. We could uh, get hung up on any of these if you want to, or just move on, because uh, they all are ripe for uh, talk radio. So that crazy person who shot up the FedEx and killed eight coworkers oh, last yeah. week. Oh, what a sad story. His mom was concerned. What did he turn out to be, 18, 19 years old? He was young. 19, I think, yeah. His mom was worried that he was going to try to kill himself, actually, death by cop. So she she called the authorities. They came, took his gun away from him because they were concerned enough, based on what his mom said, took his gun, their, his gun away from him. Then he goes out not long after and legally buys two semi-automatic rifles, which he goes in kills a bunch of coworkers with. I don't know what the rules are on that. I don't know how he, you know, it's 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 your right as a citizen. You haven't just cuz your mom's worried about you doesn't mean you don't get your constitutional rights. I don't know how you keep hands out of the the guns out of the hands of these people. I don't know how you do it. Well, and the fact that our mental health system is uh, you know, it really only cares about you after you've hurt people. As the family was trying to get the right mental health uh, help for this kid for a long time. Was really worried about him. It's yeah. just it's it's tragic. I don't you know, and I understand it's not as easy as that. You got to balance, uh, you know, the need to uh, keep these people from hurting anybody with their own civil rights and the rest of it. And history is replete with the regimes uh, saying he's mentally ill. Put him sure. in a home just to, to uh, uh, dissidents like poor Alexei Navalny, who's about dead, from what I understand. But anyway, yeah, I was about to get to that. Um, Alexei Navalny is uh, in really bad shape there in Russia. He's being held in a prison, and uh, I think Putin's just going to let him die, and I think he'll get away with it. He's on a hunger strike. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to do that, but right. evidently his medical care and his pain were so bad, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to well, do well, this yeah, and force their hand. They were treating him really poorly anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a terrible story. It's a uh, terrible, evil regime. Man. Speaking of Russia, the Kremlin retaliated against the Biden administration's new sanctions on Friday, expelling 10 American diplomats because we kicked out a bunch of theirs and blacklisting eight current and former U.S. officials, including John Bolton and Susan Rice, from entering the country. 
Um, so the uh, tit for tat with Russia continues, and they continue to build up along the Ukrainian border with more tanks and trucks and and um, the uh, the the what do you call blood centers uh, the, where they would uh, they would reinforce your blood. What what do you call that? Blood donation sites? Yeah, yeah, there's a name for it. But anyway. Blood bank? Blood banks, yeah. They were setting up blood banks along the border, which is something you do right before you invade. I mean, you don't do that for the hell of it. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Wow. Wow. That's crazy stuff. Hey, uh, speaking of being safe in your home in this case, a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe, our beloved sponsor. This is so true. I'm so glad they said this. There's probably a part of your house that feels a little less secure than you th- you wish it was like maybe it's french doors uh, maybe your first floor windows uh i agree with the french door thing i mean anyway uh, you don't have to worry about that if you have a security system from simply safe and it's so easy there's a lot of simple in simply safe it's simple to order it's simple to use it's simple to set up so you go online at simplysafe.com takes about 2 minutes to customize the system for your home you get it in about seven days. So a week from today, after 30 minutes of setting it up, it's easy to do. You've got all that safety Joe was just talking about. And what do you hate? Long-term contracts. You got to sign up for five years to get a good price. No way. Not with Simply Safe. No contracts at all. Set it up yourself. It's great. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You get a free security camera because you know a 60-day risk-free trial. Nothing to lose. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Speaking of Russia, here's a story that hasn't got much attention, and it won't. We posted the thread on our Twitter account. We should post it on our website. The Russian bounty story. Do you remember that? For a couple of days, it came and went, but it got a lot of attention. The story was that Vladimir Putin was paying the Taliban money to kill U.S. soldiers. And Trump knew about it, and he kept it a secret. And the New York Times... And he did nothing about it because he was in the bag for Putin. Everybody knows it. And the New York Times and CNN and all the lefty media went crazy with that story for a long time. And Joe Biden talked about it a lot and even brought it up in the debate. And on Friday, that story fell completely apart as uh, we found out the intelligence agencies had very low probability that this was true. Not high enough for it to rise to the level of, well, thinking it was true. And um, so the, the the lefty media went crazy with this story. Another uh, Trump's in 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 the bag for Putin, and uh, Trump called it fake news. And you know what? It was fake news. It was freaking fake news. It was fake news. And and, and of course the retraction part of it getting so little attention. All right, right. Yeah, let's just sweep it under the rug. That's the same old thing. I I heard a clip the other day. Adam Schiff, remember him? Thinnest neck I've ever seen. Lion, son of a gun. Got the smallest, thinnest neck I've ever seen. It's an interesting criticism of a human. He is not a long ball hitter. Eh, it's a bit of a weakling. Anyway, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Adam Schiff said, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but he was hinting that, yeah, there, there's still the whole story has not yet been told of the Russian collusion. He was trying to keep that alive. Great, Scott. No shame. Dummy. Uh, lots of polls out. This one, CBS News poll, 56% of Americans now say climate change is urgent and should be addressed right away. It's uh, over half, solidly, for the first time. So we'll see what that leads us to. 
Oh, where's our uh, where's our climate change clip from the Sunday shows? Or was it uh, Jen Psaki? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. It was our U.N. ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, uh, who was asked about that uh, that topic. Do we have that clip 50? What new pledges has the U.S. secured? And without India and China on board, isn't this going to be a bust? I, I don't think it's going to be a bust. In fact, I think this is an opportunity for us to hear from other countries what new commitments they intend to make. We intend to encourage them to up their game and to uh, openly express uh, in this forum what they intend to do to deal with climate change. And we hope that India and China will join us. I hope so, too, but they're not going to. Sean, just a point of clarification. Is hope a strategy? No. Hope is not a strategy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? I'm not anti trying to fix climate change. I just, I got other things to think about. If I did everything I possibly could for the rest of my life, and every single man, woman, and child and indeterminate in the country did the same thing, it would not make an iota's difference. Well, that's a separate story, I think, from pretending whenever China and, uh, and uh, in, particularly China, whenever they sign on to these things, they're actually going to do anything. Let's not pretend they're going to do anything. They're not. Oh, no. No, they lie routinely. They built a gazillion coal plants last year, for instance, while they're claiming that they're going to get off coal. So, whatever. They lie about it. But I, I don't... I don't care what they do, right? I We are the shining light on the hill. I'd like to at, at least show other countries that this can be done, and granted, it may be foolish. At but tremendous cost yes. to all of us. We're yes. going to spend, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm not signing on to that. Because it's not going to make a bit of difference. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not arguing with Sell that. your parkas, buy some shorts. <laughs> That's the cure. Caitlyn Jenner has made Plant a decision. corn in the Yukon. Open beach resorts in the Arctic. See? See? There are solutions. Caitlyn Jenner has made a decision on whether or not she's going to run for governor. She's decided that she will decide soon on whether or not she's running for governor. (laughs) All right. So does this mean, is she just trying to yank us? I don't see how she's profiting from this. You know, she's from the Kardashian world, where you being talked about and mentioned somehow benefits you. Yes. Keep your brand in the news. Mm. I'm with Californians and will decide soon, she wrote. I have been here for 45 years. I love California. So we'll see if Caitlyn Jenner gets involved. Okay. So coming up next segment, I really want to get to this because I thought it was really good. Speaking of China, um, the two apples, an apple in America and an apple in China and the two different stories. And uh, are we going to have to decide as a people which direction we want to go? Now, are we talking about the delicious fruit or the corporation? Two apples. We're, we're not talking about the fruit. Ah, okay. We're talking about apple and an, an, another apple in China. I see. It'll all make sense. Is it an evil twin? It's, it's It'll all make sense, all right? All right. It'll all make sense at some point. We've also got more from that uh, employee explaining what it's like to work retail <laughs> and Good deal stuff, with real yeah. world people all yeah. on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Do you know 
know who Jimmy Lai of China is? Lai or Lei? I think it's Lai. I remember when he was featured on 60 Minutes and we talked about it uh, back when Hong Kong had its protests going on and we all thought they had a chance of stopping China from taking them over, which they have. Silly. Silly us. And here he was, an elderly man who had started with nothing and uh, become a gazillionaire there in Hong Kong. He's Mar- a big-time publisher. Right, and marching mm-hmm. with the protesters, you know, in uh, as a true, true patriot, knowing he's putting his life on the line. He's now mm-hmm. in prison, by the way, um, which factors into this story from the New York Post that I came across that I thought was so good. Is your iPhone worth China's tyranny? This is from a guy named Claude Prestowitz. It might be worth pointing out who that is. He served as a senior trade official and economic advisor in the Obama, Clinton, and Reagan administrations. Wow. So okay. that crosses some uh, real ground. Man of the world. And he, and he wrote a book called The World Turned Upside Down, America, China, and the Struggle for Global, Global Leadership. So he's really into the story that I'm really into of the battle between the United States and China for who's going to rule the world. Is your iPhone worth China's tyranny? To understand the trouble relationship between America and communist China, it helps to tell the story of two apples. The first story began on a fishing boat where a 12-year-old boy named Jimmy Lai hid as a stowaway to reach Hong Kong from China in 1951. Beginning as a child laborer earning $8 a month, wow. Lai became fluent in English, founded a garment empire, then established a publishing giant that includes Hong Kong's largest independent newspaper, The Apple. A staunch defender of free speech and democracy, Lai is now in jail, facing a likely life sentence on trumped-up charges. He's probably going to die in a Chinese prison because he protested with those Hong Kongers, Mm -hmm. uh, as we saw in 60 Minutes last year. The second Apple is the company that probably manufactured the smartphone, Tim Cook, the tech giant's current CEO, that you're using, and the tech giant's current CEO was born in Alabama in 1960. After earning a master's degree in business from Duke, he joined Apple as vice president for worldwide operations in 98, quickly began planning to shift the company's production operations to Guangzhou, I believe is how you pronounce it. That's Jimmy Lai's birthplace. So Apple, the Apple, the phone, moved to the birthplace of the guy who created Apple, the publishing company in Hong Kong. And fled that part of the world, it's worth noting. As a stowaway right? Uh, to get away from the, uh, the horrors. As a result, Apple, the phone company, shed labor unions, U.S. wages, and strict environmental and safety regulations while winning investment subsidies from China. In the bargain, Tim Cook became one of the world's richest men, wielding enormous political influence. Yet the American Apple's entanglement with China would soon work to the detriment of the other pro-democracy Apple. In fall of 2019, massive demonstrations broke out in Hong Kong in support of rule of law and against the extradition of citizens to mainland China. Apple newspaper owner Lai, Jimmy Lai, was among the demonstrators, as we just talked about. Apple, the U.S. tech giant, had an app in its store that helped dissidents by showing where they and the police were in real time so they could keep an eye on the police. They were using their Apple phones to figure out when the police were about to crack down on them. This drove the communist bosses in Beijing crazy. They called on obedient mainland news publications to call for the app's deletion from the Apple store. Cook's Apple got the message, and they did just that. Worse, Cook's firm said it had done so voluntarily, when everyone knew that, with all its production capacity located in China, Apple was scared of what would happen if it didn't comply. The world learned how much of a hostage Apple Corp. really is to the Chinese Communist Party. Wow. 
Cook and his Apple loudly tout liberal values and minority rights in the West, but when it comes to China's imprisonment of a million Uyghurs in concentration camps, the repression of Tibet, the killing of Hong Kong's free society, and the stifling of international probes into the origins of the uh, novel coronavirus, Cook's Apple keeps curiously mum. The silence is damning, and it mirrors the corrupt bargain the West has struck with the Chinese Communist Party, which is open about its hostility to our values. The two apples. Boy, I love that contrast. No I wish kidding. more people, especially on the left, would become aware of that. Well, I'm an Apple stockholder. Holder. I, I love my Apple products, but uh, I think they're going to end up in a position at some point where they're going to have to pick one or the other. Could be yeah. a ways down the road. Well, and who knows which one they'll pick, Jack. You know, I could cite examples through history where American companies were siding with the bad guys until the very last second maybe, when maybe, they had to break away. Maybe I'm overly optimistic. <laughs> I feel like public pressure has grown so fast and is going to continue screaming that directions, uh, that direction that it won't be long and you cannot be the NBA saying nice things about China. You cannot be Apple and, uh, you know, uh, dance to their tune. You, I, I hope. There was a great piece on Outkick.com the other day. Star NBA players cash checks from Chinese sneaker companies proudly using slave labor. So our great moral exemplars in the NBA are cashing checks from people who have slaves right now as they lecture us on systemic racism in the United States. You know, we love China. Hey, as we talked about last week, I have I, I I get confused by that. I have troubles with that. I I don't mind holding us to higher standards than China. It's when they it's when they uh it's when they cover up um China's transgressions that I have a problem. As you saw with the NBA, you know, LeBron James said at one point that you know there's a lot of uninformed people about China and that sort of thing. That 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 I'm not cool with at all. But I don't mind holding us to a higher standard than China. Armstrong and Getty.